today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. came and I went into the sanctuary of God. And then I understood their end. See, it wasn't until he really came into the fullness of the presence of God. When he restored his relationship, got his eyes back on the right thing instead of all the other things, restored his focus. And then all of a sudden he understood, you know what? Their life is, but for a moment. So what if they prosper in this life? I know what their end is. And if they're ungodly and if they're cursing God, their end is an eternity in hell. Now I understand what their end is. As Pastor David continues his teaching through the book of Psalms, he'll be exhorting you to keep an eternal perspective rather than always focusing on the temporal. When you abide in Jesus and you wash yourself with the word of God and renew your mind, it's much easier to focus on heaven and eternal matters. When you live in sin and neglect the fundamental pillars of your walk, such as prayer, reading the Word, and going to church, that's when your mind gets stuck on worldly matters. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Psalms, chapter 51, as he continues his message, Psalms, an Ancient Hymn. particular ones that again speak of God's hand of of preservation and God's just wisdom in all things. Two, actually two of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 51 and Psalm 73. Now Psalm 51 is David's response to the guilt of his sin with, with Bathsheba. Look there with me, if you would. Because again, in the midst of this, I see the greatness of God's forgiveness the greatness of God's mercy is long-suffering. Did David get himself in a bad situation? Absolutely. David sinned. There, there's just no way of getting out of it. As a matter of fact, David confessed that. His confession was, God, against you and you alone, I've sinned. He knows that. And now we have Psalm 51. David writes, have mercy on me, O God. According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. David's not pulling any punches here at all. David's not going up and saying, hey, you know, I've been good for a long, long time. I have a lot of good points stored up. So can you kind of cover me on those good points to kind of balance out these bad choices? No. He says, no, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, you wash me thoroughly of my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is always before me. 
against you and you only have I sinned. I've done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Some people look at that and say, well, what do you mean his sin was only against God? What about Bathsheba? What what about Uriah the Hittite that he had murdered? What about the child that died? David understood that, again, they unfortunately were the victims of his sin against God. Beloved, our sin against God is what causes us to sin against each other. Because you see, if I'm walking right before God, I'm gonna walk right in this horizontal plane. If my heart and my mind are are right before God, then I'm gonna walk in forgiveness. I'm gonna walk in an attitude of of pure love, not lust. I'm gonna walk with an attitude of, of, uh, again, caring and, and, and showing and, and just, again, demonstration of the goodness of God. But if that vertical relationship is messed up, then you become the consequences of it. You see, when our lives aren't right with God, then, then we're going to be short with other people. We're going to have attitudes. We're, our mind's not going to be tracking the right way. And so the people that we deal with then, they become unfortunate victims of our being out of sorts with God. As a matter of fact, I I submit to you, we cannot be correct with each other on this horizontal plane unless we are correct with God in the vertical. Husbands, you cannot love your wives fully if you're not correct in the vertical realm. Wives, you cannot love your husbands fully and completely unless you're right in the vertical realm. Individuals and singles, you cannot live your life to the fullest of the dimension that God has for you if that relationship is not right. David understood that. He says, against you and against you only have I sinned. and I've done this evil in your sight. He says, in order that you might be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. You see, David understood, man, that, that, that sin was worth judgment. And God was right to judge me in that. Remember, in the midst of that, that, that child died. Again, that child became, again, the victim of David's sin. He said in verse five, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and sin. My mother conceived me. Understand, he's not giving excuses here. He's just speaking the reality. He's just speaking truth here. Behold, you desire truth in the the inward parts and in the hidden part, you make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. This whole idea of hyssop, that's what the priest would use when they would take the sacrificial blood and they would go and anoint and and, and splatter the instruments of worship within the tabernacle and later within the temple. They would use this branch, this bush of hyssop hyssop dipped in the blood to sprinkle. And that's what he's saying in the same way. I'm your vessel. Purge me with hyssop. I shall be clean. Wash me. I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. So far as we know, we have absolutely no record that any of the bones of David were broken at that point. So what's he saying here? And he's just broken inside. 
He's broken inside because of his sin. And he uses that kind of an analogy, man. Do this, that the bones that you've broken may be may rejoice. That I might hear joy and gladness again. Hide your face from my sin. Blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. There's a whole theological teaching there in verse 11 about being cast out of the presence of God and, and, and taking the Holy Spirit from. We know prior to the New Testament that the Holy Spirit came uh, upon people and, and worked with them. In the New Testament, we see the Holy Spirit actually abiding within people's lives. And again, just as we shared this last Sunday, that the Holy Spirit becomes that seal of our redemption, that promissory note. But in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit moved in a different way. He came upon people. And David said, man, don't don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Don't cast me away from your presence. And he says in verse 12, restore to me, not the joy of my salvation. And I love how he says this. The joy of your salvation. We are the recipients of the salvation of God. It's not our salvation. It's his salvation that he brings upon us. We now are living as believers in his salvation that he, again, dresses us and and, and clothes us with, enwraps us with. Again, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me by your generous spirit. Oh, and then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. In other words, what David is saying, I have experience as a transgressor. I, I, I can come to people and I can say, no, I, I, I know what that sin's all about. Don't go there. Let me share with you the truth of God's word. Let me share you the, the truth of the spirit of God. I'll teach transgressors your ways. I want to see people converted back to you. You see, David was so broken at that point in time because his relationship with God up until that period of time in his life, so far as everything we can understand, was so powerful and so special. Again, the word says that David was the apple of God's eye. I don't have a man anywhere with a heart for me like David. There was a relationship there that was so powerful. And when David's sin broke that relationship, Let's say not the relationship as much as the fellowship. He broke that fellowship because of his sin. David said, man, I don't want to go there anymore. I, I, I don't want to land there anymore. If, if you'll restore me, I'll teach transgressors your ways. Sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O oh God. Yeah, he had bloodshed on him. Not because he was a soldier, not because he was a warrior but because he murdered Uriah the Hittite. He purposefully sent Uriah to the front lines and told his commander to pull the armies away from him in order that he would die. Yeah. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you don't desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You don't delight in burnt offerings. For the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you do not despise. 
You see, David could have got really religious at that point in time. He could have gone to the tabernacle at that point in time and told the priest, hey, here, sacrifice all these things for him. He had plenty he could have sacrificed. He had plenty of money. He had plenty of livestock. He could have sacrificed. Oh, it could have been rivers running with blood from the tabernacle, going through religious motions. But David understood it wasn't religious motions that God is impressed with. God is impressed with a broken and a contrite heart. And when we come to him in that way, because of the knowledge of our sin, the word tells us here, he's, he, he won't cast out. He will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then they shall offer bulls on your altar. So you see, he's not saying that, that the religious ceremony, the sacrifices were done away with at this point in time. But he said, in essence, they're, they're not worth anything until first of all, I have a broken and a contrite heart. Because without that broken and the contrite heart, all of the ceremony is just so, so empty. Turn with, if you would, over to Psalm 73. Psalm 73 is the psalm of a worship leader. Actually, when I first really and truly became familiar with this psalm, was when I was serving, ministering at a church as a worship leader. It was the, the pastor was preaching on it, and he said, you know, this is a guy that leads worship within the house of the Lord. This is a guy that, again, leads the people in praise and worship to the Lord. This is a people that's responsible for drawing the people into the presence of the Lord that, that wrote this. Asaph is his name. Now, we, we start this psalm out. He's writing the beginning of this. You need to understand now in retrospect, everything that's happened in the psalm has already happened. So now as he's writing it, these first couple of verses, he's writing this after these things have happened. So you need to understand when he says at the beginning, truly God is good to Israel to such as are pure of heart. He's, he's come to that full understanding now. Now he knows that. He says, but... As for me, my feet almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Why would that have been? Because of his own sin? Yes and no. Not because of a blatant sin, but because he got his eyes off of the Lord. Listen to what he says. Because I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. In other words, he looked around and those that had no care or concern for the things of God they were prospering. Their life looked like it was great, going so smoothly. He said, man, that's just not right. How come they got all that? And I don't have any of that. I want to serve God. I want, I want to be right before God. And yet I'm struggling every day. These guys that care nothing about godliness, it seems like everything is going their way. Listen to what he says. There's no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. They're not in trouble like other men, nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride serves as their necklace and violence covers them like a garment. Let me pause right here real quick to help you to understand that when we get our eyes off of the Lord, we don't see very good, okay? And even what we see, we don't really clearly understand. And that's exactly what's going on here. They don't have any pangs in their death. Well, yeah, they do. But in the attitude and the mindset where Asaph was at this point in time, he wasn't seeing reality. 
because his eyes weren't focused properly. He says their, their pride serves as a necklace, violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more than heart could wish. Otherwise, man, they got everything that they want. They scoff and they speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walks through the earth. In other words, their mouth is cursing God and yet they continue on and it seems like everything is fine. You know, they'll almost the mightiest touch. Everything they touch is turning to gold. They're, they're walking in prosperity. Everything is fine for them. Why can that be their tongue continues to walk through the earth? Verse 10, therefore his people return here. The waters of a full cup are drained by them. And they say, God doesn't know. How does God know? Is there really knowledge in the most high? In other words, either God doesn't pay attention to any of this or God is blind to whatever. I can do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. There's no God that's going to make any difference or matter. He does he even see it. That's their response. Verse 12, behold, these are the ungodly. And again, with the wrong eyesight, he says, these are the ones who are always at ease. They increase in riches. And then here it is, folks, verse 13. Surely I've cleansed my heart in vain. I've walked, I have washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I've been plagued. I've been chastened every morning. Why in the world am I trying to live a righteous life? Why am I trying to do the right thing all the time? Why don't I just cheat and, and do like everybody else does? Why can't I just have an attitude like everybody else does? Because they're prospering. They're doing fine. Why am I trying to do the right thing? Because it certainly doesn't seem to be working right now. I'm not prospering. I'm not increasing in riches. He says in verse 15, if I had said, I will speak thus. In other words, if he's saying, if I would have taken what I've just said, what I've just declared, and would have started testifying to that. Look, church, why, why do we worry about being righteous? Let's just go live like the rest of the world. He's saying, if, if I would have started saying that, if I'd have started directing people that way, the way that my heart was going at that point in time, he says, at that point in time, if I would have said thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. When I thought how to understand all of this, it was just too painful for me. I, I, I could not figure it out. I, I could not figure out why the wicked are doing well and the righteous are struggling. I just could not figure that out until in my life I came and I went into the sanctuary of God. And then I understood their end. You see, it wasn't until he really came into the fullness of the presence of God when he restored his relationship, got his eyes back on the right thing instead of all the other things restored his focus, and then all of a sudden he understood, you know what, their life is, but for a moment, so what if they prosper in this life? I know what their end is. And if they're ungodly and if they're cursing God, their end is an eternity in hell. Now I understand what their end is. Lord, surely you've set them, the, the wicked, in slippery places. You're gonna cast them down to destruction. Oh, how they're brought to destruction as in a moment. They're utterly consumed with terrors. 
Because you see, the, the wicked have no foundation in their life. Those that are ungodly don't have any real and true strength. Their, their strength is, 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 is in their own physical capabilities, mental capabilities, financial capabilities, all of these things. That's where their strength is. And when that starts failing, what do they have to hold on to? Nothing. And yet for you and I, we know our strength is from the Lord. Our help comes from the Lord. Our salvation is from the Lord. It's not from our abilities. It's not from our strength. It's not from our talents. When their world starts crashing, they're totally and utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream, when one awakes, so Lord, when you awake, you shall despise their image. In other words, when it comes time for the judgment for them, their image is gonna be despised before God. Thus my heart was grieved and I was vexed in my mind. I was so foolish, so ignorant. I was wandering around like a beast before you, Lord. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You'll guide me with your counsel. And then once again, speaking of the reality and the truth of eternity. And you're going to receive me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's none on the earth that I desire besides you. I realize that my flesh and my heart are going to fail. But God is the strength of my heart. And he's my portion forever. Indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. You've destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry but it's good for me to draw near to God. And I put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your works. You see, these are honest words. But a guy that went through a period in his life that he looked at the world, thought maybe I'm better off just back in the world. Maybe I'm better off not struggling to do the right thing. And I can just live anyway because it just seems like their life almost seems so much fuller. I tell you, that's one of my favorite Psalms because that really is my testimony for about three and a half years of my life. After I'd been a believer since you know, high school, my senior year in high school, after I'd been in ministry for years serving in various churches, I felt God disappointed me. And so I walked away from him. And I sought the things of the world. Because, wow, it seems like when you're in the world, gosh, everything is going so much smoother, so much easier. But once the Lord got my attention again, once the Lord revealed himself and I opened up my eyes, I realized, oh no, 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 no. All that they have, all that they could have is but for a moment. And it leaves an emptiness that can never be filled by the things of this world.
Surprisingly and sadly, too many followers of Jesus are Bible illiterate. They know a few basic names or facts, but the abundance of truth and love inside this great text is getting lost. This is why Pastor David feels it's necessary to take some time to work through the Bible in this series, and we're so glad you've joined us here on The Open Word for it. Each time you tune in, Pastor David will be giving you an accurate and succinct dialogue of a book of Scripture, pointing out the key passages and truths that everyone needs to be aware of. If you missed any part of today's message or any part of this series, we encourage you to visit our website. You'll be able to listen again at theopenword.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, and please feel free to share these teachings with your friends and family. Everyone can benefit from this Through the Bible series. Are you in the Casa Grande area? If so, Pastor David has an invitation to extend to you. Every message you hear on The Open Word is one that I shared here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande, a great church where I enjoy my role as senior pastor. I'd love to see your face next time I get up to teach, and I'd really enjoy meeting you afterward please consider coming on out and joining us this weekend. You'll be able to find all the information you need at theopenword.com. Just click the Calvary Chapel link at the bottom of the page. See you there. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all for today. But join us next time to continue through the Bible here on The Open Word.